Welcome to Factor Magri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week I talk with farmers, industry professionals and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant that impact and shape all New Zealanders. Taking a quick look at the beef and lamb markets, the last three weeks have been dominated by settled weather and high pressure right across the country, which is, unfortunately, contributing to drier than usual autumn weather. Southland, Otago and Canterbury are all in need of a good soaking and most eastern areas of the North Island are in a similar condition. There is no clear sign of significant rain entering the forecast in the near term. And last year I did a series with Niwa and according to their science New Zealand is in for more extended drier and warmer conditions as the years roll on which is of course reason for concern for our farmers. With the cow cull in full swing, logistical challenges due to continued supply chain disruptions and the dry conditions as we head into winter, farm gate returns are feeling the pressure. At the processor, a beef steer is fetching around $5.25 per kilogram in the north and $4.65 per kilogram in the south. Cows are culling at $3.50 per kilogram in the north and $3.10 per kilogram in the south. The lamb farm gate prices are showing positive signs with upward pressure on the previous couple of weeks. A lamb in the North Island is processing at around $6.95 per kilogram compared to $6.80 the previous couple of weeks. In the South, returns are at $6.60 per kilogram, up from $6.50. This week, I'm checking in with Genevieve King from Middle Hill, north of Kaikoura. Last year I caught up with her just after she had returned home and developed a mountain bike track on the family farm. Let's check in with her now to see how things are going 12 months on. Hello Genevieve, thank you for your time and welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) For those that missed the last time you were on the show, please tell me about yourself, where your family farm is located and what is farm there. Um, yeah, so I'm Genevieve King. Um, I'm on the family farm called Middle Hill, which is up the Clarence Valley north of Kaikoura. Um, yeah, we used previously farmed uh, Saxon merinos and deer, and we're sort of in the midst of changing things up um, as part of our succession plan. So uh, we've still got some of the deer, but um, most of the flat land is actually being planted into a, a vineyard this winter. Um, so, yeah, deer, oh, really? okay. wine, and, and the bike park. Well, that's pretty exciting. Um, the wine transition, does that fall under the Marlborough appellation? It does, yeah, which was a bit of a, um, a, a, bit of a key point. It has to be Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. So yep. yeah, yeah, it's always a bit of a debate whether we're Marlborough or Canterbury. We sort of fall into each one for different reasons. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah. And we talked last year during COVID nineteen lockdown, and particularly about farm diversification. And we talked about the mountain bike tourism business uh, that you started on farm. How's the business going compared to say twelve months ago? Um, really well. It's. We're still so we've only been open for a year and a half, um, so yeah, it's it's sort of taken off actually. Um, we we're not I don't think we're that badly affected by COVID because there's a huge amount of mountain bikers in New Zealand and um, that number's just growing and growing. 
and yeah, we seem to be a place that, that Kiwi mountain bikers have earmarked that they want to come to. We've managed to get a pretty good reputation for the, the quality of our trails and, and what we offer. So yeah, we, we're going pretty well. That's really cool. So are you expanding trails and infrastructure? Uh, yep, we've, we've just finished one um, really big project. It was a, a trail that we've put in um, top to bottom on the, on the bike park. So that's that's been sort of a year in the making. Um, so we're, well, we're sort of getting there with with the trails being done. But having said that, it's never done. Um, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're always adding little bits and pieces or improving what's there. But um, but yeah, we've we've added quite a lot since, since I spoke to you last. It's yeah. a pretty special place where you live. What kind of feedback are you getting from riders that are coming to the bike park? Um, yeah, definitely positive feedback. It's yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to share this valley with people. It's it's not a place that people have had access to in the past. Um, so yeah, on a on a good day, it's pretty stunning with the mm. mountains and the sea, and um, and yeah, the added added bonus that the trails are have been really popular, and um, yeah, so people people are loving it. That's pretty cool. cool. And how's the farm going? It was currently pretty dry in many eastern parts. I was through your part of the world recently, and it looked it looked pretty damn dry. Uh, yeah, it's definitely dry. Um, it's yeah, we yeah. I mean, the whole east coast, I guess, is is struggling with the dry. And um, I, I guess we're just lucky at the moment that we have got compared to other years hardly any stock on. Um, so we've only got sort of 150 or so deer at the moment um so i'm really just yeah feeling for all my neighbors um who have bigger problems than us we would love the rain as well as it would definitely it's good for the trails if, if we have more moisture but we're certainly not in the worst position compared to some of our neighbors so yeah yeah essentially with diversification on your place the future is going to very much look like tourism with the mountain biking, and you're talking about 150 what breeding hinds, and yeah, yeah. and of course Sauvignon Blanc being planted on the flats. So that's how the future is going to look for uh, for your property. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty different from the past. Has the value of tourism been measured on your family property yet? And will this business, I guess, it's playing a pretty important role now in the overall family operation. But will this business play an increasingly significant role into the future? Have you got plans to continue to grow the trails and, of course, uh, grow the volume of riders coming through? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's do- doing pretty well. The block that we have the bike park on is certainly making more money than it ever would have with sheep on. It's mm. pretty um, marginal farmland and quite ideal for mountain bike trails. So, um, so yeah, I, I, the, this is definitely our main income stream. The vineyard is, is actually going to be... That's that's not that's my brother's um, project. So sure. yep. um, yeah, it's, it seems to be working pretty well. We're like we're always sort of growing, but we at the same time we're not planning on. We run with quite low numbers, so it's it's kind of a um, a bit more of a, a niche product, mm. I, I guess you could. Call. We're not um, aiming on increasing it to huge numbers, more just um, keeping the the product quality and and. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, the the mountain bikes knows we're here. That they're, they're coming. Yep. They yep. so um yeah, we're sort of happy with happy with how it's ticking along. We're we're adding. We'll we'll be adding more um some accommodation options over the okay. winter. Um, so it's, 
yeah, at the moment we use um, some of the locals with their farm cottages and, yep. and things, which is really good. But, um, yeah, so sort of trying to um, encourage people to stay for longer than the one day because yep. we're we're a bit of a you know a destination. We're not close to town, so mm. growing in that way, but not so much in the in the numbers. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. And the Aussie travel bubble being open for business you've talked about local New Zealand riders being key to your business are you targeting Australians at all and have any been through yet uh we haven't seen any Aussies yet um we we're not jumping at it just yet we're just sort of wanting to um wait and see what happens with Mm. the travel bubble and and we're not too concerned either way but we have been talking with other um, providers like there's a um, a girl who runs mountain bike tours out of Queenstown, so cool. things like that. We, we might try and pull together some sort of a uh, like a package deal. So she takes people around all the all the hot spots in, in the South Island. So it's something like that. But um, we're not in, in a huge rush to try and grab the Aussies. Hopefully, yep. some of them will, will make it to us once the sort of more of the mountain bikers and, and tourists start to come back. But yeah. Yeah. Um, when riders come and when tourism finds its new normal, whatever that may look like, just don't know yet. Um, yeah. Will including farm elements be part of the overall experience or potential offering? Um, I don't think so. Um, we yeah, we're 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 pretty focused on on the niche that we've carved out for ourselves, I suppose. So yeah, so that's just yeah, mountain yeah. bikers. So we're not um we're not planning on jumping on any sort of um like farm tourism or or yeah tourism in the Commercial yeah sense. yeah yeah. So so we yeah, and I think that's that's worked really well for us so far, being focused on what we're doing. Some people have suggested that you know we could put in zip lines or um you know sharing demonstrations or whatever, but um yeah, but. Yeah, we're we're just focusing on doing what we're doing and doing it well. So essentially all those three components to the overall farming business, they're totally working in silos and you haven't really talked about the potential of cross-promoting in terms of activity. Um, no, not really. Um, yeah. What we're doing is working. It's what we enjoy. We don't really want busloads of, of tourists. And mm. um, I have actually done a a couple of um, earthquake tours for busloads of of um, like retired groups from the North Island. So that's right. not something we planned on doing, but it's kind of just sort of come happened. up. So we do that when it's when it's required. But um, but yeah, mm. no, just just focusing on on making on yeah making it a, a world class mountain biking destination. Really, yeah. Uh, other farming families that you know of exploring tourism ventures. Obviously, with the borders being closed, plans may have been pushed back, but eventually tourists will be back in some shape or form. Um, not, not that I know of, really. And I guess, I guess that's the thing. It's it's not the best time for people to be trying to jump on on tourism mm. projects. It's probably better to just be focusing on producing food and yep. fibre at the moment. But um. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're using some of some of the locals with their farm cottages for accommodation. But um, yeah, we're we're still sort of one of the only ones in the area that have, have gone in in the in this direction. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if that that may change in the coming years, but it's I, this valley's very um, you know it's been a, a um, sheep and beef 
farming value for many generations. I, mm. I think the families here are pretty focused on what they do. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Do you think New Zealand has an opportunity to reshape what tourism looks like? Or should we just go back to how things were, which is essentially bring as many numbers in as we can? Um, yeah, I I definitely think we've had a good chance to reflect and, and sort of rethink what tourism looks like in New Zealand. Um, I, I can't see it going back to exactly the way it was. We don't know what it's going to cost to come here, what, what kind of people will, will get here. Um, so, yeah, I... I'm in favour of us not just immediately returning back to the way it was. Um, I agree with the crackdown on on freedom camping and um, sort of putting more regulations in around that. But I also don't think that we should be completely shutting out the the younger sort of backpacker type tourists because who knows what tourism is going to look like in the next few years. And I guess we don't know how expensive it will be to to travel overseas so the type of tourists we get may well change um and yeah i i do agree with controlling the the quality of a quantity of of tourists perhaps but i also think that we shouldn't be rushing to shut out the the younger um sort of backpacker type traveler just because they provide a, a huge amount of work they, they do a lot of the jobs that a lot of Kiwis don't want to do the, the fruit picking, the um, hospitality, all the rest of it. But I also think that the younger travellers provide like a interesting wider cultural experience. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's, it's it's nice for Kiwis to mix with people from all over the world and, and learn from them. So I'm not sure what the the new traveller will look like. One of the things for me uh, is around infrastructure. I've got certain views on freedom camping, but if we had more infrastructure to support them, then that would really, really help. Yeah, definitely. So um, it's it's how do we fund that? Do we take some money from them at the border uh, on the way in to help with that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always thought, I, I lived in Austria once and we paid a, a bed tax, I think, you know, um, to help with the infrastructure over there. I, I've always thought that New Zealand should have an arrival um, tax fee whatever yeah. um to yeah to help with infrastructure and and yeah i'm a big fan of the move to to change up the freedom camping i yeah i nobody likes seeing um toilet waste etc on the sides of the road so i i've never I oh yeah that, it's pretty disgusting i mean particularly around the kaikoura yeah. coast when tourism is a thing pre-covid the defecation and the mess on those beaches was just disgraceful it was we we are lucky with the road rebuild there's a lot of great new facilities along the coast now there's there's a number of new um toilets and things but yeah i i definitely think that the there's a lot of those freedom camping vehicles that have these little um sort of composting toilets that never come out of the plastic packaging that are just kind of there so that they get the sticker on the van which i yeah they're a joke agree. Uh, I think they're, they're a complete a joke. joke, and that token—it's—it's uh, it's tokenism at its finest. Yeah, you tax them on the way in because some people are talking about taking money on the way out, but in reality, the value of the tourists that we're talking about doesn't have any money on the way out. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. They're broke, yeah. and then well, I, I would definitely say on the way in, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people would blink at, at having to pay an, an arrivals. It'd barely be noticed. You know, they've got yeah. themselves this far. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a good idea. Um, and you know, there's there's a lot of uh, campgrounds and and 
places like that that are, are hurting from COVID, and yeah. it would be great to, to push people more towards using those facilities. It's mm. it's not expensive to stay. You've got showers, um, washing machines, all the rest of it. So yeah, yeah. Um, it would be great to see them getting more support as opposed to all the fans along the coastline. Completely agree on that. And um, what's happening this week, Genevieve? You've got some people coming through the bike park. Yeah, our weekends are, are usually sort of booked out in advance. We're, we're definitely focusing more on the weekends at the moment because obviously there's not that many midweek travellers. Um, so, yeah, that works for us. Um, yep. there's, there's plenty to, to do in the middle of the week as well. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great what you guys are doing as a family with the land. I think that's really, really cool. A lot of farming families aren't showing that kind of entrepreneurial expertise yet or the ability to diversify. So yeah. what you guys are doing is you're setting yourselves up essentially for three families to be on that property doing three different things. Yeah. It's just marvellous. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess for me, you know, I... Um, I've done so many different things. I've, I've worked in you know ski industry and everything else. So coming at it from a lot of other farming families, that is sort of all they know and they do it well. But I wanted to. We wanted to keep the farm and, and stay on the farm. And I'm bringing different skills to the table. And I think a lot of the a lot of other farming families maybe would like to get into something like what we're doing, but maybe just don't have the the confidence to just go for it because. Yeah, farming, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I, I totally get that, and that's where I think perhaps uh, industry bodies, both on the farming side and tourism, can actually really help farmers take that next step and just from an exploration perspective and see where that leads. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. I'll let you get on. All the best. Cool. Oh, thanks for having me. I enjoyed catching up with Genevieve to hear how the business is tracking twelve months on and the continued diversification of their family property into grapes as well. What the Kings are doing is allowing them to essentially keep their farm and including a tourism venture as a key part of that succession plan. Good on them, it is great to see. I'm a big fan of the family farm and families being able to hold on to their properties. Diversifying a part of the farm into something like tourism is a good way to do that. The family farm, in my view, plays such an important role in our rural communities, not only economically, but they are the social heartbeat, and that needs preserving. What I've talked about a lot over the past 12 months is succession and how that can play out. I don't think that, by and large, New Zealand farming families are all that good at succession and the planning of succession. Conversations are not started early enough or entitlement manifests from an early age in children which is detrimental to the succession down the line. The best outcomes I know of are children being encouraged to go off-farm, create a business or career away from the place, or develop off-farm investment. This inspires lateral thinking and the ability to generate a life outside of the farm that will one day allow a child or family member to return home, either with the ability to purchase the farm through the sale of a successful business or investments, or what I've talked about today with Genevieve, which has come home with a unique agritourism business idea, which keeps everyone happy, keeps the land in the family, and provides different income streams. And that is one of the things I like about the Postquake Farming Project. It explores many ways for farming businesses to keep pace and consider what can be done differently on a portion of the farm, but maintaining its traditional values and core business activity. Postquake Farming has the 2021 Symposium and Farm Tour, the future of agritourism coming up in Kaikoura on the 9th and 10th of June 
at the Mayfair Arts and Cultural Centre. Head along to find out more about how agritourism can play a role in your farming business. Go to the Postquake Farming website or Facebook page for registration details. Spaces are limited. That's all from me this week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factum Agri.